0: Hey, it's such a joy to be here. Um, the last time I was here, uh, we were in the front room of Stephen Davina's home, uh, dreaming, praying, prophesying, thinking about what it is that God could be doing in this great city of London. And that was, what, nearly three years ago. It was a handful of you. And uh, look at what God's done. Look at what God has done. It is such a joy to see some of the fulfilment of prophetic words. I'm trying to commend Andy. Just, I remember prophesying over you about what God would do with you. I think I even said about CDs and songwriting. And Wow. Wow. God is so good. Um, I love it when God uh, takes unlikely people like you and me and he decides to pour out his glory upon us to be a testimony of his goodness. A lost and a dying world. What a high privilege it is to uh, be those who are counted as part of his church. Yes. It really is. What a high privilege it is to be completely fascinated with Jesus. I'm, I'm actually a bit undone by that lost testimony. Wow, the goodness of God on you. Um, I, I don't know about you, but when I hear stories of God healing people, it just gets me, always. Always. Um, I, I never cease to be fascinated by the goodness of God. You know, I, I, one of the things that I'm learning is that gratitude is uh, the culture in which God gives us more. Gratitude is the culture in which God gives us more. When we are grateful for what he's done in our lives, it's like he's pleased to just pour out a whole lot more on us. And uh, I really am so grateful for what God is doing with you. Uh, this morning I really feel like I've got a message for you, um, and I'm going to trust God that he would speak to us very clearly and, and really minister to us. Uh, just a little bit about me. I am uh, part of a leadership team and, and a church in Manchester called Christ Central Manchester. Um, I'm in the process of moving from Middlesbrough, which is on the northeast coast, you know, to Manchester, where we'll be helping re-establish a church in the heart of um, the city of Manchester. I'm really excited about what God's going to do in Manchester. Uh, there's so many great churches there, and it's going to be good to be coming in as another, as a different expression of, uh, of God in that city. Um, and part of my, my job is to serve um, different churches in the north of England, in the north of the UK, actually. So we've got some churches in Scotland and in Ireland and Northern Ireland that we help serve. And uh, I've been serving about 50 churches there with a man called Jeremy Simpkins, who who serves as part of the family of churches we belong to called New Frontiers. And it's been a real privilege traveling in this country. It's been an absolute joy for me to be serving different places all over the UK and all over the world now, seeing God breaking. God is on the move in the nations. I mean, I just love it. His church is advancing. Oh, that was a good point, Steph, right there. Hallelujah. His church really is advancing. God is on the move. I, I love it when God is, uh, how God is breaking up all over the place. Um, and so I want to encourage you, contrary to popular belief, contrary to what newspapers might say, God is advancing his kingdom in London and in the UK. He really, really is. And one day, the United Kingdom will bow its knee to the goodness and the gracious rule and reign of God. Um, it's so exciting. Um, what do you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7? Um, oh! <laughs> Luke chapter 7. I want to read um, a scripture um, talking about John the Baptist and his response to Jesus in a time of crisis. Luke chapter 7, and we're going to pick up in verse 18. Jesus, the miracle worker, has been walking around the streets of Jerusalem, healing people, setting people free, um, healing the oppressed, healing those with are diseased. Uh, if you read just a little bit earlier, you'll see that Jesus raised a widow's son from the dead. I love the fact that every funeral Jesus ever went to became a non-event, <laughs> even his own. Um, I love that about Jesus. People get healed, the dead get raised. Um, it must have been absolutely amazing. I had the privilege of meeting a man who was dead for three days and then was raised from the dead. And when he shook my hand, I was thinking, this is weird. <laughs> you were dead for three days. And uh, he got up, i remember never forget this, he got up and he said, heaven is real, hell is real is real. This guy had been injected with embalming fluid already. Um, so he was, he was well dead for three days. <laughs> he was as dead as dead can be. And I remember the words that he spoke piercing my heart just radically thinking, you know something a whole lot better than I do about heaven and about hell. And uh, I love Jesus. He raises the dead. He's still raising the dead and healing the sick. And so we pick up in verse 18 of Luke chapter 7. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour, in that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues. And evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and what you have heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Lord Jesus, I ask you that today we would be captivated and fascinated by you. I ask you that you would come and help us uh, grapple with the scriptures, help us come to a place of personal revelation in our hearts. Jesus, I pray that you would touch many this this morning. I pray that you, the resurrected Lord, the one who's gone ahead of us to prepare a way for us, would come and meet with us in power. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I've just... Uh, uh, part of my job is to help oversee some churches in France. I'm part of a team that is serving about uh, 10 churches. Daniel Heyter, uh his dad, leads, uh, is one of the key leaders in some of the churches that we're serving. We have a family conference called Rendezvous um, in the south of France. one of the coolest conferences you could ever go to. It's just all about the relaxed. No, nothing stresses anyone in, the, in, in uh, France. And uh, just an amazing time. And this year we we did um, some teaching around living a supernatural life. And uh, we saw God break in in just some phenomenal ways. We saw a young lady who'd been born with her Achilles tendon short. And so she had to literally walk on her toes wherever she went. And as we prayed for her in one of the youth meetings, the presence of God Came. I actually wish I could say that I prayed for her, but we got people to pray for each other, because I'm learning that actually all of us can pray for the sick and see God do something amazing. And so one of her friends was praying for her, and she felt the presence of God come upon her, and God supernaturally grew out her Achilles tendons so that for the first time in her life, she could walk normally without any pain. It's just amazing. And... Uh, then uh, we saw a woman, this is a really cool miracle, I like this one, this woman had spilt um, boiling water on her foot, and so the skin was damaged, they prayed for her, and God recovered her skin with brand new skin. Wow. I God. mean, I was just like, wow, wow, wee, wow, God, you are amazing, it was just absolutely wonderful. Um, And I'm just trying to think of some of the other things. One particular which was just amazing and a first for me in terms of ministry was one lady who'd been born blind in her left eye. Um, God came upon her and just began to touch her and uh, she began to see partially through her left eye. She started seeing color and shapes and by the end of the evening she could see pretty much clearly except she couldn't read. Uh, with her left eye because it was still a bit fuzzy. The next morning, she woke up to find that her sight had been completely restored in her left eye. But wait, wait, it gets much better. Her son, who had some kind of irregular heart problem and also had never responded to the kindness of Jesus, got healed of his heart problem and then surrendered his life to Jesus, became a Christian, and later that week, it gets better, later that week, we got to baptise a mom and her son in the south of France to the glory of Jesus. It was just... It was flipping amazing, that's all I can say. I was just like, yay God, you're doing something incredibly amazing. I love it when God does that. I've just been uh, traveling with Ben, we've been doing some stuff in Sweden and Copenhagen. And again, seeing God break in and touch people's lives. One young lady who had some kind of damage to her lower back. Uh, Seeing God completely heal and restore her lower back and in front of everyone, seeing a leg that was shorter just begin to move out and begin to lengthen out and and be completely straightened out, completely healed. She phoned uh, the guy who was leading the church the next morning saying, it's the first time in a few years that I've woken up without any pain. I just love it. I love it when God breaks in. I love it when the kingdom of God, which is his gracious rule and reign, breaks in on the affairs of man everything changes. Everything changes. Nothing is left the same. And I love it when God comes in power. Yeah. It's such a wonderful thing to see God breaking in. And I felt just during the worship, God saying to me that there was someone here who was struggling actually with incredible pain, seeking from the left side of your neck all the way down into your shoulder. I think you're sitting in this side And I think you're in the second half of this room and you've had incredible pain in your shoulder and it's like just shooting all the way down your neck. And I feel God really wants to do something and maybe even bring some healing. If actually won't you just lift your hand to me, I just want to pray for you. I think you're in this section in the second half. You might be somewhere else, but this is where I think you are. If actually just quickly wave your hand at me. I just see incredible pain and I believe God wants to heal you. Excellent. Do you, want to just, do you mind standing? Great. Hey, let's all pray together because this is about us being a body together. This is about us loving Jesus together and believing God for healing. So, Lord Jesus, I want to pray for my dear sister right now. I want to ask you for healing to flow right in through that neck right now in Jesus' name. We take authority over that pain. We command it to go right now in Jesus' name. And now the presence of God is just going to come upon you. Right now, Lord God, we thank you for your healing in the name of Jesus. Complete healing right now to flow through that neck. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, do you want to test it out and just see if there's any difference? See how it feels? If something's happened? Yeah, it's weird because I've got a curve on top of my spine, so I can't support my body properly. Right. Right. And released. Let's give God some praise for that. Now, Lord, we, we want to ask you to straighten this dear lady's spine in Jesus' name. We want to thank you that pain will go and be eradicated from her life in this area in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and, and sit down? Excellent. Thank you, Lord. Hey. God is here. Love it when God does I just think I'm going to bring one more word of knowledge and then we'll get into the meat of the word of God. All right. I always want you to remember that there's no separation between God's word and the spirit. Okay. This is all part of revealing God's heart to us. So when God brings the word of knowledge, it's not so that we can go, I got that one right. No, no. It's so that we can reveal God's heart to people all right that's what it's all about he's so graciously kind um i feel like there is somebody here who's been having some kind of um problem with the um the top bit of your muscle i don't know if it's even like uh, you you've torn it um in a sports injury i think you're probably a man you've torn it in some kind of sports injury and i, I just feel like the lord wants to bring healing to you do you understand let's cross god Thank you, Lord. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we take authority. God, we speak a creative miracle into this muscle right now, in Jesus' name. We ask you, God, that you would begin to reform, remold, reshape that muscle in the name of Jesus. Now, release your power upon him right now, in Jesus' name. I thank you that he'd be able to walk and move freely, in Jesus' name. Pain. Go in the name of Jesus. Go in the name of Jesus. We release your anointing and your power on him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great stuff. Wow. I love it when God does that. So cool. You know, the disciples lived in a culture of the miraculous, they lived in a culture of seeing incredible miracles happen. Every single day was something new and exciting. Jesus' life was totally um, characterized and authenticated by the miracles he did. Wherever he went, miracles just happened. I love I love Jesus' style of ministry. It is not predictable. It is not boring. People often say to me, "Your church is a bit boring." Last time I checked, there's nothing boring about deaf ears popping open. You know, and there's nothing boring about God healing people in a meeting. There's nothing boring about worshiping. causes you to get caught up in the attention of heaven. And Jesus lived a life of seeing incredible miracles. Should I not move around like that? Uh, I don't mind. It's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I, w- I won't move around too much. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus lived a life of incredible miracles and signs in one of people. You know, his disciples lived in that overflow of seeing miracles. I love how Jesus so generously pours out his spirit upon his disciples says, now you go do the same. Go and, go and heal the sick. Go and cleanse the lepers. Go and cast out demons. Just incredible. And John the Baptist gets to hear about this. He gets to hear about God breaking in an incredible power. He gets to hear about God, Jesus, doing incredible miracles. So he gets to hear about God doing incredible miracles and, and Jesus demonstrating the kingdom of God wherever he goes. He gets to hear about these incredible dead people who getting raised from the dead. Uh, you know, John, John is in prison. He's stuck there and he's listening to all of these stories. His disciples are, are, are seeing Jesus heal the sick. Wherever he's going, God is breaking up. And uh, I find it quite fascinating in this text that we've just read. I can just imagine what it must have been like for, for John. Yearing about God healing the sick. yearning about God doing miracles. Yearing about incredible breakthroughs. But there he is, stuck in prison. Stuck in prison. I don't know about you, but... Uh, Sometimes I can be in context where it seems like God is doing a whole lot for everyone else. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell the truth now. I'm not just going to preach. Um, <laughs> sometimes I'm in context in meetings where the power of God is breaking up, people are getting healed, miracles, Achilles tendons growing out, blind eyes opening. But as I'm preaching the very word of God in which some of these things are happening, I am struggling with sickness in my own body. I mean, I can just imagine, you know, all of these stories of God breaking out, And in the midst of it, there is a man stuck in prison. There is a man stuck in prison. And John says to Jesus, are you the one? And you must remember, John was not unfamiliar with supernatural activity. He was not unfamiliar with the power of God breaking out. It was him who recognized, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It was John the Baptist who made a way and prepared a way for Jesus to come onto the scene. And yet he's stuck in prison. He's stuck in circumstances that aren't very favorable to him. He's about to have his head chopped off. And he says to Jesus, are you the one? It's amazing how sometimes when you're in circumstances and difficulties, the very first thing we question is the character and person of God. I find it fascinating, and, and you might be saying, Julian, you, you've just done some work of God, yet you're talking about this. Because I believe it's important that we hold truths in our heart very carefully. And I believe God is going to heal many people today. But sometimes we can be in a place where it happens for everyone else except for us. John the Baptist is stuck in prison and he sends his disciples to Jesus and says, Are you the one? Now when John was talking about, Are you the one? In a Jewish mindset, there was a specific understanding that he was talking about. This was not just a kind of... Uh, you know, nice question. There was a whole jam-packed history of prophetic words and prophetic promises talking about the Messiah. So when he said, are you the one... Jesus would have understood. He was asking, are you the Messiah? Are you the one who comes with the kingdom of Yahweh, the one who created everyone? Are you the one who comes with the kingdom of Yahweh, the one who created all that we see? Are you the one who's going to usher in Yahweh, the God of heaven's gracious rule and reign on the earth? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one who was spoken of In Isaiah chapter 61, upon whom the Spirit of God would rest, are you the one who's going to take away the sin of the world? John was asking a very specific question. And Jesus' response is in that hour he healed many people. Jesus' response was right in that moment, those who were impacted and afflicted by the enemy, even by God, great demonic powers, they were set free from those demonic powers. His response was to re-emphasize the great messianic promise, the promise spoken about him for years. And he said, go tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. Go tell him that the blind receive their sight. Go tell him that the deaf, yeah, go tell him that the dead are raised up and the good news is preached to the poor. Jesus reinstates, Jesus re emphasizes the messianic promise. And if you flip back to Isaiah chapter 61, you'll see the promise that he's quoting from. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he, God, has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. He was reinstating a messianic promise. Friends, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the good news of his kingdom, is not simply authenticated by what we say. It is authenticated by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon his people. We cannot preach a gospel, a good news to the world, without the miraculous breaking in an incredible power. When John was looking, saying, are you the one? Jesus did miracles. Jesus preached the gospel to the poor. And I want to just emphasize two areas just very quickly before we move on about our message. About the message of the kingdom of God. The first thing I simply want to say is this message of the kingdom of God is in a demonstration of power. We must believe that what God says is true. Greater things will you do. Once you've understood and enjoyed the rule and reign of God in your life, once you've understood that your sins have been forgiven, that Jesus has brought you into a new place of enjoying the sonship of heaven, it means that the same thing that authenticated Jesus' ministry as the very Son of God, the same person of the Holy Spirit is the one who pours himself out lavishly upon us that we can cry out, Abba, Father. He is now our Father. And the same things that Jesus did, we get to do. We get to see signs and wonders and miracles. Throughout Scripture, you'll notice that very often people will come up to Jesus and say, We know you're a good teacher because of the signs that you do. We cannot simply offer a lost and a dying world lip service. We must come in a dynamic demonstration of signs and wonders and miracles. I believe today God is making it easy for his church to believe him for the miraculous. I did a little survey just recently with a church and I said, you know, Ten years ago, how many of you heard of miracles happening regularly? No one put up their hand. Eventually I said, in the last year, how many of you have been hearing of miracles regularly? And everyone put up their hand. It seems to me that God is eager to bless his church and back their act. It seems to me that God wants to back the message of the kingdom. Go tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. The second thing I notice about this, and this is a bit of a, a, a burden in my heart, and one of the things about prophetic ministry is that prophetic ministry is not simply supposed to just tell you what God thinks. They're supposed to help you engage with the very things God is feeling. And one of the things I notice about this scripture is Jesus emphasizes good news to the poor. The nature of God's kingdom is that it comes to put that which is wrong right. God's throne, the Bible says in Psalms, is established on mercy and justice. Justice is not judgment. Justice is putting that which is wrong right. And one of the things I'm more and more convinced about is that if our message, this good news that your sins are forgiven, that Jesus took the price and paid the price for your wrongdoing, that the wrath of God was poured out upon him, this incredible message that he is raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of God, and now rules and reigns over the affairs of man. When we understand that this message is primarily and essentially about the poor, it will change our heart attitude to those who are broken, marginalized, and forgotten by society. The gospel must have an outworking amongst the poorest of the poor and the broken of the broken. Otherwise, it is not powerful. Friends, we are called to be a people who give the gospel, the good news, who extend the kingdom of God to the broken, to the unloved, to the one who has no justice. It must be an expression of this gospel to the poor. If not, we've missed the very heart of the truth of these scriptures. Go tell John, the poor have the good news. You see, John would have been expecting a kin who would have come in and overthrowing all of the powers immediately. but what did Jesus do? He came as a suffering servant. And now his kingdom is expanding all over the world. Friends, you and I are called to be a people who when we describe this glorious gospel of the kingdom, who when we talk about how God is making all things new, if these two elements aren't included in it, we're missing something that Jesus used to authenticate his gospel. We must be believing that God will break out in the miraculous. We must be believing that the gospel really works for the poorest of the poor. If it doesn't, then it's not true. It's not true. And I want to encourage you to be a people who believe him for the breakout. Who believe him to move and to touch the very poor of the poor. And it's incredible, Jesus reinstates this messianic promise. He reinstates this promise of the Messiah, yet he leaves one quote out of Isaiah chapter 61, and that is, the prisoners go free. When you read and you break it down, he quotes everything else except the prisoners go free. John would have understood that messianic promise, and he would have understood that Jesus was saying, John, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. I want to say to you, God is pouring out his spirit in a radical way. But in the midst of his outpouring of the Holy Spirit, in the midst of signs and wonders, in the midst of miracles, in the midst of God doing amazing things, you can be in a place where God doesn't come for you. In the way that you want. I um, was going to be doing a conference on miracles and signs and wonders a few months ago and uh, I spent two days praying and just spending time with Jesus and uh, on the second day as I was going home I got a call from my folks to say that uh, one of my family members had passed away and I had to get up and declare that God is good And that he is going to heal people in the meeting. But for me, I knew that that wasn't true at that moment. He was good. He is good. But I didn't get the healing that I was believing God for. One of the things that I find fascinating about this text is Jesus says, blessed. Extremely happy is the one who is not offended because of me. That word offended is the word stumble. It means happy is the one who doesn't stumble over me, who doesn't fall over me, who doesn't fall because of me. And many Christians I know live in a place of offense with God because he didn't answer their prayer requests. He didn't answer what he wanted, the way they wanted it to happen. And they live in a place of offense. They live in a place of being uh, Uh, in a snare because they've never learned to embrace the mystery of this Christian life which is that God is always good but sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes it doesn't seem like the thing that I really wanted comes through for me. I am I've seen God heal people significantly of back problems and of allergies. It just seems like God does that in an amazing way. People just get healed from back problems and allergies when I pray for them. Yet the two things that I struggle with physically the most, severe back problems and allergies. Blessed is the man who's not offended because of me. Blessed is the man who doesn't fall over me. If you're not a Christian yet today, the Bible says that Jesus is a stumbling block, and you'll either fall over him or you'll fall into him. And I've learned that falling into him is a lot bigger than falling over him. And I want to encourage you today, friends, God is going to heal people. The last time I preached this, in fact, it was this message that I preached in France when God broke out in the most powerful way in terms of healing. Because when people come into a place of understanding that we can live in the mystery of that which is not yet and that which is now in terms of God's kingdom, it causes faith to be stirred up in our hearts. You see, I live with an understanding that sooner or later I'm gonna have a glorified body. I live with an understanding that God is incredibly kind and good and that He is actively working on my behalf to change my life and to transform me to be more like Jesus. The number one thing that was questioned in this context when God when Jesus didn't come for John was the character of who Jesus is. And the number one thing that we question when we go through suffering and difficulties and God doesn't seem to answer the things we've been asking him is about his character. And what I'm learning is that I've got to believe what is being revealed about him already and not allow my unanswered questions and my offences to dictate who I believe in. Friend, as a Christian, we're called to a life of embracing mystery. We're called to a life of embracing the fact that we're not always going to have the answers. And in our culture, which is dominated by intellectualism and cerebral understanding, there are some things we're going to have to lay at the foot of the cross and say, I choose to believe what's being revealed in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. When you choose to believe that he is always good and kind, that his favor is resting upon me. And tonight I'm probably going to talk about living in favor, living in the favor of God. When we understand that, it means that my level of faith is not determined By my circumstance, my belief in him breaking out miraculously is not even determined by what happens in me physically. It is determined by the fact that there is a resurrected Lord Jesus in heaven. And I don't know when, I don't know how, but sooner or later, his kingdom is going to break out on my body, I'm going to be healed. Sooner or later, the thing you're believing God for that you've been asking for him time and time and time and time again, sooner or later, all things will be made new. Amen. You can't give him a much bigger clap than that. <laughs> We must not allow our unanswered questions to determine our faith in a good God. We cannot. Can I say to you, the Bible promises two things. promises us that God is good and that he works all things to our advantage and to his glory and promises us that in this life we will have tribulation. It's a a holy conundrum. And until you learn to live in the place of mystery and saying, I don't understand it, but he's good. You'll never come into a place of faith for breakthrough. Just to wind down, some things to help you live in mystery. You have to believe what's already been revealed about the character and nature of God in the word and in the person of Jesus. When you read the gospel, the Bible says if you have seen Jesus, you see the Father. When you read the gospels about who Jesus is, you get a perfect revelation of the Father. Believe what's already been revealed. Secondly, embrace this mystery. Live in a place because you'll be extremely happy if you don't get offended with Jesus, even in the midst of difficulty. My joy is not circumstantial. My joy is eternal because the purpose of joy, the purpose of God going, of Jesus going to the cross was so that my joy would be complete in him. And as sure as the cross is empty is as sure as my joy is not dependent upon my circumstances. Live in the place of mystery. Thirdly, understand the gracious rule and reign of God's kingdom in your life. He, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is an ever-increasing kingdom. And when Jesus wants to authenticate his ministry, he connects it to his kingdom mission. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And the Bible says of Jesus... That his kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom. Now, we live in an incredible tension of what's called the not yet. In other words, there's a whole lot of God's kingdom that still needs to break in. okay? And the now. In other words, God is breaking in with that reality right now and changing us. And somewhere in the middle, I believe, I want to live in the place of expecting an ever-increasing outbreak of his kingdom. Here's the deal about the kingdom of God. God seems to take his kingdom and conceal it in something small. But that very small thing will one day be the biggest kingdom. The United Kingdom will come down. USA will come down. South Africa and its government policies will bow its knee to the kingdom and the rule and reign of God. It's an ever-increasing kingdom. Therefore, my expectation is not less, but more. And sooner or later, my circumstances will be dramatically changed by the kingdom. Lastly, I'm learning to be thankful for what God is doing, not what he's not doing. You see, sometimes we can live in a place where all we look to is what's not happening. Rather than seeing this morning, we've had two testimonies of healing. Rather than seeing just last weekend, I was in a meeting, two weekends ago, I was in a meeting where eight people responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, where young people got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I can choose to think about the multitudes that haven't quite heard about the gospel, or I can start praising God for what he's already doing, which will propel me to believe him for more. Friends, John never got his breakthrough. He didn't, get, he didn't get released from prison. John ended up headless. You know, sometimes we might not seemingly get the breakthrough we want. But if you learn to embrace mystery and live in a place of believing God, you'll see breakthroughs in so many other areas of your life. If you're not a Christian here today, I want to encourage you that God is so graciously kind in sending his son to us. And I can either stumble over him and be offended with him because he doesn't fit my paradigm, he doesn't fit my understanding of what a savior should be, or I can choose to believe the evidence of an empty cross Either way, you'll either stumble over him or you'll stumble into him. Blessed, extremely happy, that's what that word means, is the man who's not offended because of Jesus. Will you be a people who live in the midst of disappointment and contend for breakthrough anyway? Yes. Will you be a people who, in the midst of seeing people die, i never forget getting up at that conference knowing that a family member had just passed away, and saying, tonight God is going to heal people. I don't know if you understand the tension that I was feeling at that moment. And right there, a man got healed of a severe heart condition. Earlier that year, he'd been to hospital six times, and had defibrillators and all sorts of things needed to use on him. He couldn't even pick up a chair because it was too strenuous on, uh, on his heart. And in one of those meetings, as I was wrestling with God about why this family member had to die, a man got healed of a severe heart condition. He is never the same again. I've been back to the church. He's completely healed. He can do exercise. He can run around the building. He can do whatever he wants. And there I am struggling with a very real tension about why. Well, what I do know, He's good. He's good. He's good. And in your pursuit of healing, in your pursuit of breaking out of God, doing amazing things, in your pursuit of, of the coming of the Holy Spirit in your meetings and on the streets of London, remember, He's good. He is good. Let's close our eyes. Lord Jesus, we choose to live an unoffended life this morning. We choose to embrace the mystery of the now and the not yet. We choose to believe you for an incredible breakthrough. And Lord Jesus, I can't preach a message like this without... Knowing that even this morning, you want to bring healing to people. Even this morning, there's some very real breakthroughs for people. Even this morning, those who have lived in disappointment and offense, it could be your morning for God to break through. Even this morning, those who've been living in a place of, God, will it ever happen? Well, this morning, it just could happen because the kingdom of God is here. We're going to just sing one song of just worship and adoration. And then I, I feel God's given me some prophetic words, personal prophetic words for some of you. Prophecy really is just about God giving us his heart for his people. And he might want to just speak to one or two of you. There's nothing weird or, 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 or funny about it. It literally is God who is speaking, loving, kind God coming to minister to you. And we're going to do some prophetic ministry in a moment. And then we're going to pray for the sick. Because I believe today there's some who need some healing in, the, in your bodies. And God is going to bring healing. There's some who've been struggling with long-standing illnesses. And today, God's going to do something significant for you. I believe also that God is going to bring incredible breakthrough for some of you who've been trusting God in the area of jobs for a long time. You've been asking God for employment today. God is going to come with his kingdom and release something of his favour on you. And so we're going to just start off by adoring Jesus. We're going to start off by loving him. So I wonder if you'd just stand for a moment and um, Andy will just lead us in that.